Welcome to the Gospel Saves podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. I'm Wade Stanley, an evangelist with the Church of Christ. Please visit thegospelsaves.me for blogs, videos, and Bible studies. You can also find The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. While the New Testament teaches the idea that Christians are, as individuals, the temple of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it also teaches us that the church, the gathering together of Christians, that this is God's temple as well. When the church assembles, it does so for the purpose of worshiping God in spirit and truth, the type of worship God seeks. On our last program, we left off talking about how the church is a temple, and in particular, we were focusing on how the members of the church are, are priests in the kingdom of God. And along with being a priest, there are, are several responsibilities that we are, are expected to fulfill in the temple. A priest must be sanctified, set apart, set apart from the profane. And this is accomplished, of course, through by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the, the waters of baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As Paul says, we are a holy priesthood in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5. A priest must also submit to the high priest. We have a high priesthood under the old covenant where Aaron and his sons served as, as high priests and they were were the chief priests, if you will, over the under-priests. And that's the same arrangement that we have in the church as well, that Christians are all priests, but we serve underneath a high priest, who is our mediator, our advocate, and who was a propitiation on our behalf. He offered himself in our place so that we can be sanctified. We also considered how a priest uh, serves in God's house, that priests are ministers. God has given to each one of us a gift, and he expects us to put that gift to work, put it to use. And finally, a priest must sacrifice, and that's where we left off on the last program. In, in the final few minutes, we were talking about how God expects us to sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of self, that we must follow what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the idea there is that we deny ourselves. We offer our life, surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. We also see how we can offer a sacrifice of praise. This is the fruit of our lips, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And this is a sacrifice that pleases God. And it's interesting in the New Testament, in five or six different passages, we see singing and praying set side by side. I don't think that that's by accident, that we sacrifice to God the fruit of our lips, praising him in song, in thanksgiving through prayer. And then finally, we, we talked about how we could offer a sacrifice of good works. And this ties back into the idea that we are all ministers, we are all priests, and part of the sacrifice that we can give is by doing good things for other people. So these are the various ways that we function as priests in God's temple. The other aspect of this that I think is, is good to consider is that the church comes together 
for the express purpose of worshiping God. That when the church is gathered together in one place, God is worshipped. Now the, the seminal passage on worship in the entire New Testament is found in the fourth chapter of the book of John, verses 21 through 24. This is the tail end of a conversation that Jesus has been having with a woman of Samaria. Now the idea of worship comes from a Greek word that means to bow down to kiss someone's feet to kiss their garment him, to kiss the ground in front of him. And this type of worship is very congruent with the nature of God. God wants us to worship him by humbling ourselves, by our willingness to, to prostrate ourselves before God. And as we see in John chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And as Jesus says in that passage, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So God is looking for people who want to worship him in a way that is congruent with his nature. He is spirit in his essence, and he is also the, the fount of all truth. So he asks, he is seeking, he desires people who will worship him in a way that is congruent with who he is. And as Jesus points out in that passage, God is looking for people who want to worship him in this way. Do you want to worship God? Well, then you must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, what do those two ideas really mean? I think we need to take just a moment to define what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth. Let's begin with worshiping in truth. Now, in that fourth chapter of John, in verse number 22, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, you worship what you do not know. The Samaritans were part Jew, but they were also part Gentile. There was a mixture of the Jewish nation that had taken place along the time that the northern kingdom was taken off into captivity in the 8th century BC. The Samaritans had a, a version of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, that they called the Samaritan Pentateuch. And they also believed that a mountain in the area called Mount Gerizim was a sacred place. Now, the Jews believed that God's sacred place was Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount down in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans believed that God preferred Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans believed they were worshiping God, but they neither understood him nor did they know how to properly approach him. That's why Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. In contrast, Jesus says, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That's in John chapter 4, verse number 22. Jesus acknowledges in this passage that the Jews understand who they worship and why they worship him because God has revealed himself to them. This takes us into an area where I think it's, it's really important. What, what Jesus is telling us is it is possible to worship God, but to worship him in ignorance. As he says to the Samaritan woman, you worship what you do not know. And I am persuaded that there are people in our day and age 
who, like the Samaritans, worship God in ignorance. They believe they are worshiping God, but they do not understand him. They do not obey his word. They don't follow after him. So this idea of truthful worship, I think, comes, comes down to understanding who God is and worshiping him in a way that is in agreement with his word. We don't want to be like the Samaritans who thought they were worshiping God, but in reality they didn't really know God. And then there's another part of truthful worship that I think we need to bear in mind as well. Jesus talks about worshiping God in vain. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, he says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now Jesus is quoting from Isaiah, and in that passage, Isaiah makes it very clear that God is displeased with the worship that the Jews are practicing because right alongside what he has given them in his word, they have included the commandments of men. So when you mix together the commandments of God with the commandments of men, this makes one's worship vain or futile or meaningless or purposeless, however you want to put that. So to worship God in truth, we need to worship God in a way that understands him and in a way that, that he has designed, that he has in mind. This is the lesson we learn from, from people like Cain back in Genesis chapter 4. The second sin we have recorded in the Bible has to do with improper worship. Cain offered something that God did not command. And for that reason, God rejected his worship. So from the very earliest pages of the Bible, we learn that God has a certain way that he wants to be worshipped. And we want to be sure that we worship him in such a way that he will receive it. That's why it's so important for us to open his word, to, to learn how God wants to be worshipped. And certainly this is what God is seeking. He is seeking people who will worship him in truth. But there's another part to this worship as well. Jesus says we must worship him in spirit. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5, in talking about the temple, talking about the priesthood of which all Christians are a part, says we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The idea of spiritual sacrifices or spiritual worship I believe comes down to our inward person. It's from our heart, if you will. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 19, and also in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, in both of those passages, Paul is talking about the kind of music that we offer. He tells us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 19. The only thing that is to accompany our singing is our heart. I believe what Paul is, is teaching us is that our inward person, our heart, our spiritual person has to be engaged in worship. It is possible to simply say words without any true understanding or feeling behind them. 
and this I would deem to be an unspiritual form of worship. God wants our heart engaged in the process of worship. Paul encourages us when we sing to sing with understanding. That's over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15. When we sing and when we pray, we need to have understanding alongside of that. So it's got to involve our spiritual person, our inward person, in order for God to receive it. This also, I think, would include the, the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 5, 18, the verse right before Paul talks about our singing, he says, And do not be drunk with wine, but be, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So when I worship God, I want to be filled with His Spirit. I want my inward person, my mind, and my heart to be involved. I want to sing with understanding. But it also has to involve the Holy Spirit as well. Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So God is seeking people who will worship Him in spirit, in truth. People who are seeking to worship Him in a way that, that He has designed, that He has commanded, that we're seeking to carry out his will when we worship, and that when we worship, we do so with our inward person involved, that it comes from our heart, that we sing with understanding, and that the Holy Spirit has made a dwelling place inside of us. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. Oh,